Good morning. Oh, come on, let's do better that. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Good. Hey, okay, I've got a very simple question. You know, not that I'm trying to be like that guy on that commercial on TV, but let's keep this really simple. What's better, old or new? New, exactly, good. Why is new better? I mean, if you had a choice between an old basketball that's slippery and the panels are falling off, or you had a brand new basketball that has some grip to it and a lot of air in it, you can bounce it, which would you pick, the old or the new? New. New, I'd, I'd pick the new too, okay. How about you have an old blanket and it's falling apart, a little smelly, it's got stains on it, or you get a brand new fluffy blanket that's really warm. Which one do you want, the old or the new? Oh, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. You went with the old. Why did you pick the old? You didn't pick the old? Did you pick the new? You got new turtle toys. Let me ask you this. You've had new turtle toys with all the accessories, the nunchucks and, and the swords, or the old turtle toys with the broken off arms and the broken shells. What do you want, old or new? New. No, you're just teasing me now, okay? But here's the deal. I think there's sometimes you really want the new because it's a little bit shinier, or it smells better, or it looks better. Sometimes, though, we like the old because there's something special about the old. It has some good memories to it. I was asking my dad a question but when he was a kid, when he was your age, and he said he'd go get ice cream. Listen to this. Today, you probably don't know this because your parents pay for this, but when you get two scoops of ice cream, it's usually like, I don't know, two fifty, three bucks, something like that. It's pretty. It cost him a nickel for two scoops of ice cream. Five cents. Now, how many, how many of you want to go back to those old days? Yeah, two scoops of ice cream for five cents. I'm there. I'm with you. See, sometimes it's so fun to go back and talk about the old things, but it's also good to talk about the new things and sometimes it's sort of hard what do we do what do we do so this is what I want to challenge you with the old things that you know you sort of hold on to let's be thankful for them okay but let's also look forward to some of the new things because sometimes there's new adventures you gotta go to a new class you gotta learn something new maybe you don't want to learn something new maybe your parents say it's time for you to learn this it's like oh no and you get a little nervous that's okay because here's the thing with all the new things that come your way God is with you. Yeah. I want to hear you say, God is with me on the count of three. Okay? You're going to say, God is with me on the count of three. One, two, three. God is with me on the count of three. Yeah. Now, I'd have to say all of that. We knew that was coming. I'm not knuckling you on that one. I'll tell you. Thanks for the past, but God is with us on the new. Those are always good things to remember. Let me pray for you, then you guys can go to Children's Church, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the many things that we can look back on the past and with things that maybe we really like, like an old blanket, an old toy or something. But Lord, it's also fun to move forward to new things, to learn new things, but sometimes that's scary. And so we just got to remember that you are with us through all those things. Thank you, God, for being an awesome God. We love you. In the name we pray. Amen. You can walk to Children's Church. All right. Well, hey, we hope and pray that you had a good week of Christmas gatherings. I'm sure some of you have some stories to tell. 
I'm sure some of you have some more stories that you want to tell or are about to tell because you're going to have some gatherings today. Uh, it was a hopefully a good time for you, time off with family, time off of work, maybe time away from the normal routine of things that you do. Uh, more importantly, it was what? A time of focusing on our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Messiah, who came to this earth, the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas was about. So I hope you had a great time, not just away from work or routine, time with family, giving the gifts, the, the fun, the food. Hopefully it was a time of reflection, saying thank you. Thank you, God. What a wonderful gift you gave. Um, so for us, our family, we had another memorable Christmas time with our family. Uh, we included a couple of days in Indiana to visit my side of the family. And uh, while spending time at my parents' house, my mom showed me this book that she gave my dad. And I don't know if you've seen this before. If not, I would suggest you all get one, okay? It basically says, uh, I can't remember the title now, but Grandpa, tell us a little bit about yourself, something like that on the front. But you open it, and every, there's a page for every day of the year. So there's 365 pages in there, and every day has a new question. And um, she gave this to my dad, said, you know, you need to start filling this out. Your kids, your grandkids would want to learn more about you and your life. And, and uh, my dad's not done a good job of filling that out. So uh, we sat down with him and said, Dad, let's, let's do a couple of these. Let's have some fun here. And you know what it did? It really started a great conversation. We live in an I generation, okay? A lot of you know this, especially if you have kids and younger kids. I generation, iPhone, iPad, iPod, I everything, okay? And we've walked away from a lot of good conversations as a result of electronics. And so, putting aside all electronics, we sat around, uh, uncles and aunts, and, and my mom, dad, and I, and we, you know, we sort of sat there and asked some questions. Learned some really cool things. And, um, and I'm gonna give you some of those sample questions because maybe you can write some of these down. Ponder some of those, okay? Uh, just sort of think back, because I want you to sort of reflect back on your past too uh, this morning. Okay, I want you to think about this. What was your favorite meal as a kid? Okay, what was your favorite meal as a kid? Now, I'm going to guess today's kids and you or your grandparents, well, I bet some of those meals are different. I bet some of them are the same because grandparents thought their parents and the parents thought their kids. And, oh, yeah, that's my favorite meal too. What, are your favorite, what was your favorite meal as a kid? What was the worst storm? Spring, winter, whichever one that you can remember as a child. And of course, in the book, there's two different ones, spring, and I put them together for this morning. The worst storm that you can remember, what was it? Where was it? My dad uh, shared a story about how when he was with his, with his grandma, there was a tornado spot coming. You know where they went? In the attic. Yeah. Grandma wasn't too keen, okay? Uh, fortunately, the tornado didn't come their direction. Fortunately, they learned you go to the basement, okay? Um, share a memory of going to church when you were growing up. Get down, okay? Share a memory when you're going to church as a little kid, okay? Good memories as a kid. I, I slept everywhere as a kid. I mean, I always slept. I slept. I, I got to the point where I would fall asleep in church as a kid. I just crawled under the pew. I didn't even, I'd sprawl on the pew. I'd go under the pew and just lay down. And I don't know why my mom and dad let me do that. Um, maybe so I wouldn't be running around making noise. I don't know. Uh, did you ever get teased? What did you get teased about? Think about that one. It's be like, I still get teased, right? What did you get teased about? Ever been in a school play or maybe a program, and did you have a memorable moment in that school program or that school play? Share that one. Right? Here's another one. What did you or your brothers or sisters fight about the most? 
What did you fight about the most? If you have siblings, what did you fight about the most? Now, uh, my dad had eight kids in her family, and he wrote this down. Brothers teasing me about the girls that I didn't like, and my sisters, we fought about who would wash or dry the dishes. Oh boy, how some things never change, huh? Some of you, that probably still goes on. I know that sort of goes on in our house. It's fun to think back and have those conversations to reminisce on the past, uh, but we can't live there in the past, can we? I drive by the old farmhouse that we grew up in, and I think about it and talk to my boys. Oh, yeah, and, you know, my brother and I, we sat next to each other last night, and we talked about, you remember in the barn? Well, we played barn basketball. So we got together, we played basketball with my nephews, and uh, I, have, I always remember Sunday morning, I, you know, I always come to church, I'm thinking, why am I so sore all over? Because of my age, and I'm still trying to play basketball. And running up down the floor with my boys and my nephews and my brothers, and we, you know, my nephew's like, man, Uncle Rex, you're sort of fouling pretty hard. And I said, barn basketball, son. You got to learn to play, you know? And uh, we literally had posts in our barn where we played, and when our buddies came over, we set picks with the posts. Okay, they're guarding me, and I would dribble left, and they would run right into that post. Got to know the barn, you know? Um, you'd go over their back, you'd throw some elbows. We played barn basketball, and boy, my brothers and I, we were just reminiscing on that last night. And it's like, isn't it amazing that God really protected us? We could have had some serious injuries on our farm growing up. Uh, legs caught in augers, all kinds of things that happened. I mean, God really watched over our family. And uh, so it was, it was a great place to visit. But you know what? You know what the past is, though? The past is a tough place to live. It's a great place to visit, but it's really a tough place to live. Uh, as I mentioned last week, you know, the past can derail our progress by doing a few things. You know, because if, if we make mistakes, here's the deal. Satan, who is our opponent, who is our enemy, loves to go into our past, and he throws in three things. I gave them to you last week. It was grief, guilt, and grudges. Okay? Grief, guilt, and grudges. Those three things from our past tend to derail us when we move forward in our future. And so we got to be careful with that. So, and here's the other thing, though. If we're successful, we hold on to our accomplishments. Look what I've done. Remember when we won state or, hey, do you remember my job promotion? And we, we sort of focus on those accomplishments. And we point to them and we're really not motivated to move forward in our life because of our accomplishments from the past. What you did was good enough, so why do more, right? Think about this as musicians. Uh, there's a lot of those one-hit singles, those one-and-dones. You remember a lot of those groups? You're like, oh, yeah, I remember listening to the, those groups in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, and... I only remember one song because that's all they had was one song. And they hung on to it. They would go and they'd play a concert somewhere and everybody's like, oh, I don't know this song. And then they'll play their one song. Oh, and then everybody's there, hands in the air singing. And then they play another song and nobody really remembers it. So they'll play that. They'll, Let's play that one song we played. It. Everybody knows. Oh, and they played again. Yeah, not much there. So the past can be a dangerous place to live because of the good and the bad. And I believe the past was meant to help teach us to help us move forward, to help us navigate through the, the daily challenges and the future circumstances that we're going to face, the past helps us. As I said, it's a great, great place to visit and reminisce, but it's a tough place to live. And I think we've got to be careful with that. Now, if we're to look back over this church, I sat down, and I probably should have done this with our staff, probably just sort of sat around and said, let's talk about 2013. 
What highlights do we have from 2013? I want you all to sort of back think about this past year. It's been quite a year. I didn't take too long to do this. I, I just jotted some down, and it actually became a big list. And I look back, I'm saying, for a small church, man, there's a lot of things that took place. We had some guest speakers. We had Mark Cahill, Les Stickle, and Todd, Todd Gongler. I mean, two authors and a president. It's pretty, you know, nice, you know. We had new people join our church. We had some people leave our church. We had the death of a few. We had the birth of a few. We had child dedications. Oh, we had some precious girls just melt our hearts this year as we hung them up here. Do you remember those girls? Those little babies. We had spiritual birth. We had salvation of a few people who gave their life to the Lord this year. An incredible thing. Baptism and new members. We had hospitalizations. Sickness. Struggles. Right? We had some new relationships, some marriages. We've also had some relationships that have ended. We had a vision for a building. Then we decided, well, now's not the time for that building. We had money that we just gave away to help others, to feed others, to accomplish mission work. Some of you did mission work here in the state. Some of you went overseas to the Dominican Republic. Right? Youth trips and parties, East, ladies' group, women's group, what they've done since the past year is incredible. GPS and GAP and Power Camp, all the kids' stuff. How about all the challenges to live out our faith this year? We really stuck it to you this year intentionally, didn't we? We brought in an evangelist to do some evangelism training. We did the D90X, the 24 prayer hour vigils we held. And then the overflow. We intentionally challenged this church and our faith with action. 2013, that was quite a year, wasn't it? Some of you are going to look back over your own personal life and say, wow, I never really thought about this year. You look back through photographs and different things and say, wow, there are some really good things and there are some not so good things, right? When you look back at 2013, I'm going to ask you this. What highlights do you have? What tough moments did you have to endure this year? You made it through it, didn't you? Some of you are still trying to make it through it. But our God's a faithful God. He's been with you. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He's a great God. That's something to celebrate. I think this is something that we tend to overlook this time of year. We get so pumped up, so excited to celebrate Christmas. We sing those songs. We decorate. You know, we talked about last week all the food, the celebrations. And, uh, you know, we sit there and we're like, oh, I can't wait for Christmas. The anticipation. Oh, can I just open one present now? I know Christmas is a couple days away. Oh, I know Christmas is tomorrow. Oh, I know Christmas is an hour away. Can I just open one? Oh, can't we just do something now? And there's all that anticipation, right? And then Christmas comes. And then by Christmas afternoon, some of you start hitting the little depression cycle, don't you? Like, it's coming to an end. Oh, you know, you still have like, what, 12 hours left in a day, but you're like, oh, it's going to be over in 12 hours. Like, no, no, you got 12 hours to go. No, it's 12 hours done. To me, like, I can't wait till next year. I got 361 days, right? Who's, I want to know, seriously, who started a calendar for next year? Anybody? Yeah, my son, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a couple of you. I see those hands. I see those hands. Let's all pray for them. Um, yeah. We hit that cycle of, I can't wait now for the next one. So sad to see Christmas is over. Do me a favor. Turn, actually not do me a favor. 
turn to Luke chapter 2. You're not going to do me a favor. You're going to do yourself a favor. Turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, the third book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Oh, yes, the Christmas story. We read that. We, we read this story about five times last week. Different readings of it. I want you to start, though, Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14. And the angels were speaking. The angels were actually delivering an incredible message to the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to all whom God favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, listen, they said, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this wonderful thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let me hear you say, let's go. Now, that's, that's, that's like you, you really want to get somewhere, okay? Like, it's like, okay, Pastor Rex preached a little too long. We were supposed to have reservations at the restaurant, and you're looking at your spouse, and let's hear you say it. Let's go. Come on. Okay, that's the shepherd's attitude. Let's go. And then they said, let's see this thing. Let me hear you say, let's see this thing. That's right. Now they're bringing that plate of food out to your table. Come on, bring it. Let's see this thing. I want to see that peanut butter pie. Right? Okay, let's bring it out, okay? They're excited. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go see this. Which, and then look at verse 16. It says, they ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph. There the baby was lying in the manger. Let me hear you say, they hurried Let's go. Let's see it. They're hurrying. They're going. There's excitement. Isn't that Christmas? Isn't that Christmas, the anticipation of Christmas? I mean, the shepherds went seeking the Messiah. They were anticipating something great, and they discovered something great. Not just a newborn baby, not just baby Jesus, right? But a king, a Messiah. It was the first Christmas celebration. Think about that. The very first Christmas celebration, the true Christmas celebration, not the ones, the traditional ones, but the true one. They saw the King, the King of Kings, the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior. What an exciting time. You know, just like today, there's so much anticipation and celebration, but here's the thing. What about after Christmas? The big depression, the big letdown. It's all over with now. Christmas has come and gone, and next, oh, what's next now, you know? And, but I want you to see this. I want you to see how the shepherds left the manger. Okay, Christmas is over for them, right? They saw Jesus. They saw the King of Kings. They saw the Messiah. They saw the Messiah, the, Messiah, the Savior. There he is, that baby, the King. Oh, this is awesome. Such anticipation. The angels came. Are you going to the party? You better hurry. You better run. Let's see this. They were there. Now they're done. Check out what happens. Let's read verse 17. It says, Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child. And all who heard the angels or the shepherds' story were astonished. Another translation says this, After seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what happened. They ran off to tell everybody. All who heard what the shepherds said were astonished. You know, they just didn't walk away from the manger saying, well, that was so good. Yeah, it's over. Can't wait till next year. They didn't like, walk away saying, boy, well, 
sort of depressed now because now we've got to go back to the sheep and hang out in the fields again. What did they do? Christmas wasn't over. It was just beginning. They went, hey, hey, Messiah's been born. The Savior has come. House to house knocking, telling everyone. It's all these people, everyone around was like, these are shepherds. They should be out with the sheep. What were they doing? Going door to door, telling people about Jesus. Door to door evangelism started a couple thousand years ago, my friends. They were so excited. Christmas wasn't over. Christmas was just beginning. After seeing Jesus, all that excitement, all that jubilee, they had to tell somebody that's some good news. The world had to know this. They had to know that the fact was that God had not forgotten you. God didn't forget about you. God loves you. God loves you so much that he came down to this earth. You need to hear the story. It's not about giving and getting. It's all that kind of... You know what it is? It's about God's love for you. You felt alone this Christmas. That stinks, and I'm sorry, but you know what? God was right there with you. You might have felt alone, but you were not alone. You might have been forgotten, or maybe everybody's opening gifts, and oh, they forgot to wrap the gift for you. Oh, they forgot about God didn't forget about you. Christmas isn't over. It's just beginning. Oh, how amazing His grace is to give us something that we don't deserve, and the shepherds knew it. And they went off and told everyone. That was worth celebrating. That's worth going around door to door telling people about. That's worth after Christmas, hey, let's keep this celebration going. There's a God that loves you. His grace is so big, you don't deserve it, but he's given it to you. His love. See, you don't have to walk away from Christmas depressed. The shepherds left rejoicing, not saying it's over. No, it's beginning. The wise men came years later then, bringing these gifts to an infant, and they didn't walk away saying, oh, it's over. No, it's just beginning. My friends, now, this very moment, I want you to think about this. Psalm 118, 24 says what? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And yeah. A lot of you know, you've probably seen that verse, you know where it's found. It's like, yeah, that's Psalm 118, 24. Okay? This is the day, today, Sunday, December 29th, the Lord has made. He made this day. For you. Let us rejoice and be glad. And that's not, let us be somber and sit in our chairs with our heads down. Oh, what was me? This day the Lord's made. Let us be depressed. No. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. Do me a favor. Would you just do me a favor? Look at the person next to you. If there's nobody sitting next to you, then lean over real hard, five seats or whatever it takes, and just say, I can rejoice today because, and then fill in the blank, okay? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do this. This is like, you know, killer for the podcast. I don't care, okay? So just take 30 seconds. Look at the person next to you. I can rejoice today because what? Go for it. Go for it. You have so much to be thankful for. Find somebody. Well, you had a warm place to go today, right? You woke up today, right? You've got a lot of rejoicing so far in those two things, okay? You've got other people who love the Lord. You're not alone. That's another reason to rejoice. So much to rejoice on. There is joy. There's celebration. There's delight that we have a new day. Hey, congratulations. 
Now, congratulations to the boys and girls basketball teams from Wauseon winning their tournaments this weekend. Way to go. That was, that, was, that was really good, okay? Good for them, right? Now, you know, every now and then we stop and we celebrate things like that, and I'm going to say that because here's the thing. Here's my challenge because I know there's some basketball players here this morning. I want to say this. Hey, but today's a new day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Way to go. You won yesterday, the day before. Way to go. Oh, yesterday, I think. I'm losing my days, okay? But today's a new day, so now what? The past is a great place to reminisce, but you can't live there. These basketball players that are here today, congratulations on winning a tournament. Now what? Well, who cares about the rest of the season because we won, you know, the, the tournament. Oh, no. Today's a new day, right? For those of you who had a great, maybe a great week at work or a great accomplishment or maybe you created a new relationship, that's awesome. But now what? Today is a new day. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in it. What has God got for you now? See, now we're heading into 2014. Oh, 2013 was definitely a roller coaster ride. That's great. Okay. Here's 2014. Now what? What do you have to look forward to? And there's two, there's two, actually three, three, well, I was going to say four people. There's two couples that are getting married, I know, sitting in this church. Looking forward to this year. They've got some weddings coming up. 2014 is going to be pretty awesome, right? I, you know, I don't know what to expect, but I know we need to remain hopeful and positive. You know, in spite of your work situation, okay, in spite of maybe family dissension, in spite of maybe in spite of uh, failing health, government disappointments, economic struggles, how about the world's moral decline? Here's the deal. We still, as believers in Jesus Christ, must move forward with a focus on Jesus Christ. As we head into the new year, 2014, we're going to move forward during our Sunday morning services. Starting next week, we're going to focus on membership, okay? Our, our core values, there's six of them there, okay? We're going to talk about those a little more in depth and what it really means to be a believer in Jesus Christ, what it means to be part of this church. And then when February rolls around, we're going to hit, oh boy, I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited about this. We're going to hit some hot topics. There are so many things going on in this world today, um, and I'll give you one, okay? And, and I've, I've, we've had people leave the church over this issue, that of homosexuality. Well, what does the Bible have to say about this? Well, what's going on in the world? Did you hear that, you know, Duck Dynasty Phil, da, 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 you know, okay. So what does the Bible say about it? We're going to hit it in February, okay? Ooh, okay, that'll be a Roll up your sleeve one, right? Yeah, it will be. And there's quite a few other hot topics we're going to hit that the Bible talks about. How do we as a church deal with life issues? You all have them. I had quite a few people actually over the holidays going to Christmas. We're going to be running into this at our family. How do I handle it? Well, that's a good question. You know, we really need to discuss this as a church. We need to be equipped to know what the Bible has to say. I'm going to tell you right now, there, there's a lot of you right now that are doing things. You don't even realize this. You are doing things unintentionally that's pagan worship. I, I, you know, I ran across some things this week. I'm going, oh, really? Yep. Oh, boy. You're like, what is it? Come February, okay? Like, but I don't want to worship like a pagan. Well, I'll talk to me later and I'll tell you, okay? Here's the thing. We need to move forward in our spiritual walk with Christ. We need to continue to grow. We cannot be stagnant, okay? As, a, as an individual, as a church, we've learned that God tends to lead his people forward in life. Now, if I were to say this, 
space. The final frontier. <laughs> I didn't get that out. What TV show am I talking about? Star Trek. Man, that just shot out from over here, okay? These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's a five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I was waiting for that part. Okay. <clears throat> I really did sing bass in high school. But anyway. Yeah, Star Trek. How many of you remember Star Trek? Raise your hands. Oh, there's a lot of you. Okay. I'm not going to ask about if any of your Trekkies in here. Okay, but here's the thing. That show was actually destined to fail. I didn't know if you knew this or not. But that show was destined to fail, uh, but it became a worldwide obsession, believe it or not. The creator of Star Trek actually went through two pilot episodes before NBC finally aired its first episode on September 8th, 1966. 47 years ago, yep. The series was so disappointing that MS NBC basically said, we've got to pull the plug on this. They canceled it in December of that same year, only three months after it began. It was such a flop, okay? Now, ratings for season two and three didn't show, show much improvement for NBC, uh, so they canceled the five-year mission, uh, and the final episode then actually became on June 3rd of 1969. Now, here's what happened, though, in that same year of 1969. An astronaut by the name of Neil Armstrong had his first lunar walk. And when he landed on the moon and did his little walk, the series then of Star Trek all of a sudden became interesting to people. Now the other networks then decided we're going to air the episodes and soon people were demanding for memorabilia for the series. Star Trek conventions then started in 1972 and over the next, um, next 30 years, eight movies were produced, four additional series aired, a letter, a letter campaign went to NASA asking NASA to name an American space shuttle what? USS Enterprise. Isn't that amazing? Some wondered how this flop became a worldwide obsession. Now, I'm going to give you one reason that was shared, and I'll share with you what I think, okay? It could have been a hit because the creator, uh, Gene Roddenberry, sought out to create some kind of TV episode, some kind of provoking entertainment that was really relevant or socially relevant to people at that time. Okay, that's what some people thought. Here's the other reason that most thought and I agree with, and that was this, or it could have been that it really struck a chord in our hearts that we as humans have, and that is to go where nobody's ever gone before. There's something in the human heart about experiencing new things. I want to try something nobody else has tried. I want to go somewhere where nobody's ever gone before. Maybe that's why the show became such a hit. Something inside everyone that hungers experience new territory, explore new places, set new standards, accomplish new things, things never done before. Think about it in music and art and sport. There's always somebody trying to write a new song that it's just unique and never heard before. I'm going to write something that nobody's ever written before. I'm going to produce a movie that nobody's ever seen before. I'm going to accomplish a feat that nobody's ever done in sports before. I'm going to set a record. Last night, man, I tasted blueberry peach pie. Anybody ever had that before? I never had. Not till last night. Oh, it was good, okay? There's two fruits that came together I never thought could in a pie, and it was good. I, you know, was not a Trekkie last night, but it was tasting good. We like new things, right? Of course, we get hooked on those, uh, what we call goodies but oldies, or oldies but goodies. Flip-flop it any way you want to say it. But that's the way we did it. 
I remember when, well, I liked it better when we used to, I get that, I understand that. Isn't it fun to reminisce and go back? And I remember when, oh, we used to do it this way. How many parents, parents, how many times have you looked at your kids or, or some of you now grandparents looked at your grandkids and say, well, when I was your age, you know, fill in the blank, right? But there's something else in us, seeking something new, something risky, something adventurous. Although I like comfortable and confident, there's something risky and adventurous that sort of pulls at my heart too. You know, I've learned this as a leader. When you're a leader, sometimes it's hard to seek something new because you know what? It means I have to go first. So sometimes new isn't so fun for leaders. But I'm learning that when you head into uncharted territory, you take people on a new path, uh, there's some excitement there along with hesitation. And it becomes an adventure. Sometimes it doesn't turn out so great, sometimes it does. That's the exciting thing. And there's going to be times when I'm going to hear people say, ooh, and there's other times I'm going to hear people say, ah, yuck. It's part of it, isn't it? So here's the thing. I, I, I want you to hear this loud and clear from me. The past is okay, but you know what? God has given us today. Christmas isn't over. Christmas is still here. It's still going, and it's going to keep rolling. We have the hope of today and tomorrow, and I want to encourage us to move forward. So this is what I want to do in the next about 10, 15 minutes. I want to give you three simple things to help you move forward in your life. Okay, if you're feeling in a rut right now, if you're anticipating something new in your life, okay, I got three things I want to share with you this morning. Okay, because we cannot live out the past. Remember when our church, nope, not there. Okay, you remember when our family, no, you're not there anymore. That's fun, okay? God's calling you forward. Let's move forward. Okay, three things. Here's the quick three things I want you to hear. First one is this. Don't get caught up in the hesitation. Don't get caught up in the hesitation. Look at the person next to you and say, don't get caught up in the hesitation. Here's the second thing. Embrace the challenge. I want you to close your eyes, look up and say, embrace the challenge. No, don't do that, okay? I, there's some of you won't look at the person next to you and ever listen to what I say, so I was going to do that to you. Let me hear you say, embrace the challenge. Okay, let's not get caught up in the hesitation. Let's embrace the challenge. And here's the third thing. Take someone with you. Let me hear you say it. Take someone with you. Yeah, okay. Let's start with that first one, okay? Um, let's not get caught up in hesitation. You know, there's, there's some great scripture. I'm going to rip off three of them here real quick to you. In, in Esther chapter 4, verses 1 to 14, there's an incredible story about a woman named Esther. She had to confront the king over Haman's plot to kill the Jews. She struggled with moving forward. She really did, but she went to God in prayer. But there's some hesitation there, okay? Gideon was supposed to lead Israel in battle and free them from the Midianites in Judges chapter 6. And, and Gideon, oh, he came up with excuses and hesitated. And, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not sure. And tossed around. Here's, here's one of my favorites. This is one of my favorite stories of Saul. This comes from 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 10. Samuel's getting ready. They're getting ready to bring in and anoint the new king, and it's going to be Saul. And they're bringing out all the different groups and tribes and clans and families. And they brought, and it says this, and he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. All right. And then the family of the Matrites was chosen. Oh, let's pick this family out of this clan. They brought them forward. Now, finally, Saul, son of Kish, 
was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he disappeared. You're going to get anointed king. You're going to lead a nation. You're doing something new. Step forward, Saul. Couldn't find him. Stage fright. I don't want to be king. This is the verse I love, verse 22. So they asked, hey God, where's Saul? Look at this. It says, and the Lord replied. Could you imagine this? He's hiding among the baggage. Now, wouldn't that have been awesome? You're there. You're looking for Saul. God, we can't find Saul. He's in the baggage. Wow. <laughs> they, you know, they heard him. He's in the baggage. He was hiding in the luggage. I don't know whether it's all luggage bags pot up. He was hiding behind it. A little hide and seek going on. Talk about hesitation. Okay. Do me a favor. Why do I say that? Turn to Exodus chapter 3. Genesis is where the first book is. Move on there. Go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. This is probably one of my favorite stories of hesitation. Exodus chapter 3. Second book, the Old Testament. In the book of Exodus chapter 3, we, we find a story of Moses. He's one of those leaders I can really relate to. I don't know if you have a favorite character in the Bible. You say, that's me. You know, there, there's so many men and women in the Bible. And, and I've shared three stories so far of you of hesitation. Okay, um, And in these three stories, here comes the fourth one. Here's the situation. Okay, Just think about your daily routine. Okay, One day Moses is tending the flock. His father-in-law Jethro, this verse 1, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness, came to Sinai, the Mount of God. Verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. That's amazing. Okay? So he's just out with his sheep, okay, attending the flock. And there they are, walking around. Normal daily routine. Now, in your daily routine, a lot of times things come your way. God says, got something new for you, right? Okay? Special moment when God grabs your attention, right? Verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a close look, God called him from the middle of the bush. Here's this burning bush. Special moment. God's grabbing your attention. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replies. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. When's the last time you really got holy with God? Or you're like, you know what? I am so not worthy to be in front of God right now. I'm so not worthy to pray and to talk to God today. When's the last time you felt like, I just need to take my shoes off because this is holy ground. This is a special moment. God grabbed his attention. And look at verse 7. The Lord told him, I have certainly seen, you can underline that, the oppression of the people in Egypt. I have heard the cries of distress. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. Verse 8. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. How many times does God have to say to Moses, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've seen it, I'm aware of it. I'm coming down here to rescue. I get it, I know what's going on. See, here's the thing, in the middle of your routine of life and my routine of life, sometimes God just grabs our attention. And once he gets your attention, then he lets you know, I know what's going on. Maybe you didn't think I was aware of it of this all. Maybe you thought you were hurting and I didn't know. Maybe you thought 
this situation, circumstance was out of control, and I was on vacation. Maybe that's what you're thinking about me. And God says, no, no, no. I've heard it. I've seen it. I, I'm, I've not left your presence. I get it. I get it. And then in the midst of that, then God says, now here's what I want you to do. I'm giving you instruction now. I want you to move forward in life. Okay? I've got your attention now. You think I've not been around, but 